0: Well, welcome to Banff Park Church. Great to see you here. A big Sunday here for us uh, today with uh, lots going on. We start promptly at 1030. Unless Greg messes up the video at the beginning of the service, then we might start a little bit later. But it's really nice because even Grandma was early. (laughs) So today I... uh, I didn't wear my best pants. I wore my catch up friendly pants Because <laughs> there's a barbecue afterwards, and uh yeah, there'll probably be a little bit of ketchup and mustard and various other things on there the um you know it's it's great here at Vampire Church. We get together, do all sorts of things we have um you know groups that get together and worship evenings yeah. and stuff and and some of us go golfing um, together and you know. Sometimes that can be a little bit uncomfortable. I, 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 I'll give you an example. Josh comes up and says the other day, "I'd like to try the golf course." I go, "Well, you know, sure, okay, we'll 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 take you out. You know, we'll bring extra golf balls and everything." He walks up to the first tee, booms one, two eighty down the middle. I go, "This guy's golfed before. He is tricking me. He's a sandbagger." He knows this sport really well. It turns out like he's like darn near semi-professional, made a fool out of all of us, and the best part of my game continues to be sarcasm. So, I'm, um, uh, anyways, Josh, thanks for the lesson. Appreciate it. It was uh, really good to get you out there and think that you're going to be whacking him into the trees, bring a few extra balls, in, and then you beat us badly, so... <laughs> If you want a lesson, he'll probably be available at some point. So, uh, anyways, again, great to uh, great to see y'all here. Big uh, big day today. Uh, there is Sunday school today, uh, and um, today uh, after the service is our AGM. So, what we're going to do at the end of the service is we are going to um, take a short break. Maybe grab a coffee or whatever. If you don't want to attend the AGM, uh, you certainly don't have to. Uh, and then we're going to uh, quickly gather back here and uh, get together and, and uh, do our AGM. Talk about all the stuff the BAM Park Church is doing and uh, get some reports from some of the board members. And uh, it's a good time to uh, bring you up to speed on what's happening with that. So you are welcome to attend, whether you are an official member or not uh please you know join us and see what we're doing um if we have voting on any uh, changes that we'll be making uh, but only the members can vote of course that's uh, sort of the way it is and then of course uh, afterwards um, we will be going after the agm outside for our barbecue and um, we're going to be cooking burgers and stuff outside the back door and we've got all sorts of condiments and uh, other goodies and desserts and salads and things uh, inside the church here. Now, I, I will tell you that there's a, a table for people with special dietary needs, okay? If you don't have special dietary needs, like you're not a vegan or gluten, eat gluten or dairy-free or something, those weird people. Anyway, um, you know, that's... Oh, sorry, Greg. Um, a- anyways, um, you know, don't eat their stuff because they they get really angry and there's n- nothing worse than an angry vegan person they so so yeah just don't you know there's all sorts of other stuff but when you see those things if you don't need that don't eat that you know a- anyways it'll be really awkward so <laughs> so and then um, after, after the uh, barbecue's over, a few, uh, few folks will be heading to uh, down to Canmore, help Eric move in. He's moving all his stuff in. I don't know where he is. He's out there. So there he is right there. Yeah, moving all of his uh, stuff into his new place. So he'll need a hand with that. Um, Iris, you've got the couches and the fridge. Okay? And the rest of us, I'll carry a few plates and dishes and a few, maybe a few pillows and stuff. Okay? So anyways... And um, if you'd like to, uh, like, we'd like to organize a few worship evenings uh, over the summer months. So if you'd like to uh, connect and sing and get together, play an instrument or something and join in, uh, please speak with Sebastian about that, and uh, we'll uh, put that together. So that would be, uh, that'll be very good. What have I forgotten on my rather long list this morning? Nothing, I don't think. So, Uh, We're going to ask our worship team now to please uh, come on up, Jordan, and, uh, and share with us. Thanks.
1: Noticing this morning when I was looking through my songs again, I think I think half of the songs I picked by accident all seemed to be from the Psalms, but I mean that's where all the best songs come from anyway. So I guess that's why. You are my joy, you are my song You are the well, the one I'm drawing from You are my refuge, my whole life long Where else could I go? Surely my God is the strength The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want In great pastures he makes me lie down He restores my soul And leads me on for his name For his great name Sure Surely mercy Right beside me All my days And I will dwell in Your house forever And bless your holy name You prepare a table. Surely mercy right beside me all my days, and I will live in your house.
0: Thanks so much, you guys. It's um, awesome. Good drumming, Peyton. Boy, yeah, I like it. <laughs> We're going to miss you when you're gone later this summer. Thankfully, you're coming back. It'll be good. But uh, one announcement, I did forget. Yvette? Thanks. Anyways, it's a little joke we have between us. Sorry. <laughs> Just wanted to share that, but... But uh, one announcement I did uh, miss was about VBS coming this summer. It is going to be July 17th to 20th, and uh, we could use some more volunteers to come and help. Um, I know I'll be doing a little MC and uh, doing storytelling, I think, and, and things. So uh, it's, it's always fun. We move the chairs out, and kids are running around in here all over the place, and uh, it's an exciting time. So you girls looking forward to VBS? yeah it's sort of cool isn't it it's really fun so it was uh, and how was strive everybody enjoyed it yeah that's great because uh they went to a strive i don't know what you call it get together youth conference um last weekend and uh it, it, it came home psyched, and it was uh, it was really great. And here are a few people are thinking about going to Miller Bible College after that as well. So that's that's going to be great. So VBS, we could use your help. could always use a few more people, even if it's helping checking people in or whatever. So please uh, speak to Peyton or Deb uh, McLean up here, and uh, we can get started uh, getting on that. If we can have the offering guys come on up, please like to start the service it's really interesting we're sort of in our little corner of the world and again I was uh, I was out golfing uh, one day and this fellow joined us and um, you know we got talking about church and uh, he had crosses on his leg and a and a really nice pretty cool tattoo and uh, he was talking about Jesus and what Jesus meant to him he was from Belfast originally he was living in Cincinnati, and, uh, you know, as we travel around, we're so encouraged by other people who have the same beliefs as us. And, you know, it seems like we aren't many, but we are many. And uh, it's just its so cool to meet people like that and, uh, and get together with them. So the kids can go to Sunday school now if you'd uh, like to go up. And... Uh, enjoy and learn and uh, that's it's pretty cool we've got teachers to teach and and to share with them so I'd like to uh, slow down a little bit right now and and pray to start our service uh, so if you will please uh, bow with me Lord thank you Um, a beautiful beautiful day as we came to church this morning and uh, a wonderful group of people in a a nice warm place where we can meet year-round lord we thank you for all that you have given us and shared with us lord we pray that you go with our offering lord and and bless the givers and the gifts and um, use them as you uh, would lord Guide us in our AGM and as we disperse funds and and do the various things that we do. Lord, please speak to us loud and clear in regards to what we should be doing with this stuff. So we thank you, Lord. You're an awesome, awesome God. Uh, Go with the kids in Sunday school. Teach them and uh, open their minds to your word, Lord. And open our minds that we may hear, Lord, and, uh, and take your words into our week. So, and uh, again, Lord, please be in our AGM today, speaking powerfully through, through us um, to do uh, what your will is. So thank you for all of these things, Lord. Um, uh, be with Greg as he comes and speaks and teaches. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Greg?
2: Good morning. It is good to uh, be here last week. Um, of course, we had uh, our national conference last weekend and uh, and so President Bill was here with us and he he preached and and it was very strange to sit at the back and not have a responsibility uh, during that part so I'm actually, i 'm actually actually prefer to be up here uh, it's just you know after all the years it's just kind of your normal routine um, you can flip to Exodus chapter 24. Uh, if you're visiting this morning, just let me give you, well, two quick things. First of all, our meeting's going to be super short. <laughs> super short. We have it all prepped and ready. Um, so if you're visiting and you want to stay for lunch, just, just head over through here and you can just kind of hang out there for just a few minutes as we finish and then we'll get the burgers going and, and, and we'll be eating and having fun uh, together. So don't worry about that. But if you are visiting, we've been traveling through Exodus since about January here and and working through the reality that I'm going to say this a few times, probably this morning, and I've said it a bunch of times. My goal in this series is to help us read Old Testament and recognize the relevance that it has in our lives today. My goal is for us to see the harmony that exists between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And my goal is to make sure that we don't look back and go, well, there was a God of the Old Testament who seems one way and a God of the New Testament who seems another way. Uh, I think when we get there, it's simply because we're not willing to do the homework that it takes to read ancient Old Testament documents. Uh, These things have been written thousands of years ago from a different culture, a different time, and it takes a lot of homework for us to recognize and understand them uh, correctly. But, and this this is... very significant for this morning, is the last couple of weeks we've been looking at some of the various laws, the Ten Commandments a few weeks back, uh, and then into some of the more kind of obscure, difficult-to-understand commandments, um, or commands that exist that God gave to His people. And we can kind of look at this, and we can kind of go Old Testament versus New Testament. But here's the thing, is Jesus in Matthew 22, He gets asked by the Pharisees going, okay, there's a lot of commands, There's a lot of things in there. What's the most important thing? In Matthew 22, Jesus says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. What does it say? Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus literally says all of the commands that exist in the Old Testament writings can be summed up in these two ways. And we talked about this with the Ten Commandments, is the first few of the Ten Commandments are all about our vertical relationship with God. And then the rest of the commandments are all about our horizontal relationship with each other. Simply put, is that God has created mankind in His image. And so when we have a proper relationship with God, we're going to have a proper relationship with our brothers and sisters around us. Now, the problem with that, of course, is that we as people like well, we like to make ambiguity where there isn't any. And we like to try and twist things and go, okay, well, you said this, but what about in this context or, or with this kind of idea in mind? And, and so that's where more and more commandments are fleshed out to try and explain. But really, it all boils down to 10. And then Jesus points out it all boils down to actually two motivations. In fact, I'm convinced that this is why the New Testament begins with Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, where he goes back to the Old Testament commands, and he says, you've, you've heard these commands, but you've missed the point, you've misunderstood them, and your motivations haven't been correct. It was never about obey these commands so that you can go to heaven. It was, here's how to be a representative. Here's how to be uh, an ambassador for God to all the nations. And I'm going to say this probably over and over again this morning as well, is that the job of the Old Testament people of Israel is the same as the job of the new covenant people of the church. So Paul writes it this way in 2 Corinthians 5:20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And so if you are part of the church, then your role is to go out into the world and declare Jesus by your words and by your actions. And how do you do that? Well, Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount by the motivation of how we live. So we're going to treat God with respect. We're going to honor him as holy. And then we're going to care for one another. Does that sound exactly like the commands that we've been reading the last few weeks? It's the exact same mission. It's the same purpose. We are the ambassadors of Christ. We are to make God known just the same way that the Old Testament people were, made, were supposed to make the one true God known to all the people in all nations so that all would come into an understanding of who God was. Now the difference, of course, and we're going we're to deal with this very specifically in a couple of very confusing verses in, in chapter 24, but the difference between the old and the new is that everything in the old covenant was pointing to Jesus. All of the Old Testament is pointing to him, and so the sacrificial system that we're going to read in part this morning was all meant to rep- represent that an animal, an innocent animal had to be killed, that blood had to be shed, innocent blood had to be shed as your substitute. And this occurred over and over and over again, but it pointed to the reality that one day the Messiah would come who would offer his life as a ransom for ours once and for all. That his blood was the perfect blood that actually forgave sin in a lasting and meaningful way. And so the New Testament, the new covenant, which we're gonna take communion this morning at the end of, uh, at the, end of the message here, but it's all meant for us to see that this whole plan of God's salvation was consistent right from day one. And that the Old Testament people and us, the New Testament, the New Covenant people have the same role, the same responsibility to show others who Christ is. So this leads us to chapter 24 and chapter 24 is after all these commands have been given. Um, And again, if if you were not able to be here, um, feel free to go back online and because we kind of deal with some real hard stuff last week or two weeks ago, I guess, uh, some of the very difficult commands. But here is the response of the people. So if you remember back in chapter 19, uh, God said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And they go, yes, okay, we recognize you have rescued us from slavery in Egypt. You brought us through the Red Sea. You have miraculously provided food and water for us. We, we are going to trust you. We are going to live for you. And then chapter 20, 21, 22, and 23 are all the various aspects of that covenant. And so here we get to the place where the people are going to confirm the covenant of God. And in some ways, that's what we do when we come to gather together as the church. As we come to confirm, God has called us to live a certain way. Not so that we might earn salvation, but so that we might, rec- so that we might show to people who Christ is so that we might be his ambassador. So when we come together, we submit ourselves under Scripture. We worship God, and we gather together, and we help one another. That is the purpose for us coming together. So let's read chapter 24 together, and then we'll, we'll open up a few uh, m- more challenging sections of that. So 24 verse 1, this is God speaking. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, and Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. All the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and he built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in the basins and in half of the blood he threw sorry and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses, Aaron, and Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone like the very heavens for clearness, and he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, wait here for us until we return to you, and behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let them go to him. Then Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days, and on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So there's some in there that, that's pretty narrative straightforward and some of it that you kind of like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? And, and so we're gonna deal with some of those things because I think it's important to not uh, argue that. Sorry, not uh, misunderstand that. And so what you have here is in the opening verses, Moses is called along with all the people. Now, we've talked about this in the past, but just in case this is new to you, is there's a, there's a theological term that we, we say sometimes when somebody is typifying Jesus or typification. It's, it's someone who is a representative in the Old Testament pointing forward to Jesus. And so in this way, we have Moses being the the mediator between God and the people. And this is a clear moment in the Old Testament, and you see this very often with other biblical characters. It's not that they're perfect, not that they um, can do what Jesus did. Obviously, they couldn't. Moses made his own fair share of mistakes. But he is representing what God is going to show to the people that there is going to be a mediator who comes. There is going to be a mediator who does, in this case, obey the law of God completely, perfectly on your behalf. We're going to see over the next few weeks that Moses does this to varying degrees, and and I would argue that he does better than probably any of us ever have. And so he points forward to the mediator who will do this once for all for us. Remember, as I said, um, in chapter 19... The reason that God called these people was not, here's, here's, I'm going to give you all these laws and all these rules, and so do these things, and if you do them, then you get to come to heaven. That was never the intent, and I think sometimes that's how we've taught it, is the Old Testament rules are here so that if you can obey these things, then you can go to heaven. Problem is the Old Testament never teaches that. Rather, it says this, is you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You are to be a kingdom of priests, so as Moses is mediating for you, you are going to be mediating, in a sense, to the other nations who I am so that they would see me and that they would come to faith in me. Same job exists for you and I today. As we get to be, and I I say we get to, we are honored to be representatives of Christ. Christ. We get to go out into the world and we get to show people by the way that we treat them the love that God has for them and for us. The problem is if we start to think about our own desires, our own wants, how we think people should live, what we think is most important and not as important, we start to misrepresent God. And that can be a very dangerous thing. This is why in our church we submit ourselves under the authority of the scriptures and we, get, we say this is that God gets to determine what's true and right. God alone gets to determine what the rules are in the sense of how we ought to live. And I don't use that word rules in the sense of do this or else. I mean that in the sense of God has said, this is the way to blessing and life. This will actually bring you joy and hope. This will give you purpose and meaning. So just like, well, how many of you, maybe I shouldn't ask this, but how many of you like to play board games? All your hands should go up. Good. Okay, everyone. Good. I saw that. Um, so if we pull out a board game and we start playing it and you just start making up your own rules, it doesn't work very well for everyone. It probably doesn't work very well for you. You might get on the brunt of anger of some of some other people's anger or frustration, depending on if it's monopoly or not. But the point is there's rules and they're not as like, man, you cannot break this or else. It's This is the way that It needs to work so that it all works together properly. And that's what God has done for us. So our role is the same as the Old Testament people. But here's the thing the people respond at first, anyway, with all that God has said we will do. In fact, they say it this way later on the second time they say it we will be obedient all right, I'm just going to take a chance that most of you have read through past this part in the Bible. How do they do? Not great, right? I think is putting it mildly. In fact, is while Moses is up on the mountain for these 40 days, and we're going to talk about this at length when we come back, uh, when we get to this text in a few chapters, but while Moses is up there, they basically go, man, what happened to Moses? Man, he hasn't come down yet. You know what we should do? We should break all the Ten Commandments. It's like basically what they do. It's like first commandment is what? You shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not worship an idol. And what would be a really good idea is why don't we form an idol, bow down to it, worship it, and thank it for rescuing us out of Egypt. Like that's the first thing that they're going to do in these 40 days. And so, and I don't mean to say like that they're lying. I think they genuinely are, are... intending to say, yes, God, you have done all these things, we will worship you, we will follow you, we will obey you. But here's the thing, is they say, they, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say they say this, but I think this is the implication, is they go, but we'll do that on our terms, not on yours. As long as it makes sense to us, we'll follow you. But if it doesn't make sense to us, then we're going we're gonna to do it our own way. So just like our role between the Old Testament and the New Testament hasn't changed, the same problem of our hearts back then and now hasn't changed either. And you can fill in the blank with however you want, but over the course of our history, every certain few years, every culture has a specific hot-button topic where we go, I know the Bible teaches this, but it's old and it's antiquated, it's outdated. We know better now. So there's all kinds of examples in that. One of those things that we face today and, and right now specifically in this month in our culture is sexuality. We're saying, God, you don't get to determine those things. Even though you've said it is going to lead to blessing and life and purpose and meaning, is, is we think our way is going to be better. And so we'll serve you as long as it makes sense. But we're going to determine how we do that. That same problem has been right from the beginning here. Here. Where they go, okay, we're not going to worship, and some commentators will talk about this, the, the golden calf was meant to represent Yahweh. They weren't worshiping some cow god, they were representing Yahweh, or at least they were trying to, but they had forgotten that God said, but don't make an idol. Don't make an image of anything because an image is just a very tiny piece. I'm the creator of all things. And so while they're going, okay, well, we're going to worship you and thank you, but, but, but we need to do it in a way that makes sense to us. And even though you've said these, these 10 things, we're, we're going to break the second one and the first one as a byproduct. And again, I said this a couple weeks ago, but I want to say this again, is if in the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam and Eve one rule to follow and only one rule, and they couldn't obey that rule, then do you think God would go, hey, you know what would make sense if we give them 600 rules? Then they'll be able to follow it and come to be with me. So again, how we view the Old Testament matters is is God is not going, okay, because you couldn't obey one, I'm going to give you 600. He's going, I'm going to give you these 600 various things as as, as opportunities to show your love for me and to one another. And in that process, what you're going to see is that you're incapable of following these things, but I'm going to send someone who is. And he's going to be your mediator. He's going to be the substitutionary atonement for your sins. He's going to go and he's going to offer his life in place of yours so that you might see the desperate need that you have for a mediator, for Jesus Christ. Back to the text. Moses writes down all these rules. And actually, if if you have a little footnote there for rules, the Hebrew might be better translated as just decrees. In other words things that are right and good. Moses writes all these things down. And thank the Lord, he writes them down for us. And then how does he respond? Well, he doesn't go, okay, God, this makes sense except for this. Can you make clarification here? What does it say he does? He builds an altar the way that in a few chapters ago talked about. And then he bows down in worship. They offer sacrifices to God. God, what you have said, what you have given us, is good and is right. We're going to follow you. You get to determine those things and not me. And then we get to kind of a, a little bit of an odd situation. Moses takes the blood from the sacrifices, puts half in the basins, and, and throws it against the altar, and then he takes the rest. Or sorry, And then he takes the book of the covenant, which is simply all the, all the uh, laws that have been given to this point. He reads it aloud and they say, yes, we're going to follow these. And so then Moses does what? Throws the other half of the blood on them. Does that seem weird to anybody here? As it should. Now, first of all, let's just make a few clarifications here. The reason why this seems weird to us is First of all, because ancient cultures do things differently than we do. And that's just true in history. So I got to pick on somebody here. Philip, could you come up here? He loves this. This is his favorite. This has an inside joke that will go further for him than anybody else, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, come up here. I know, it's very intimidating. It's okay, you're coming right up. This is very scary. Sorry, I should have warned you. In the book of Ruth, there's a way that they, uh, if two people had a, an agreement that needed to be made, does anybody remember what they did? Yeah, okay, so, so if I were to say to Phil, okay, Phil, I promise I'm making a covenant with you that our meeting after church will not go more than 20 minutes. <laughs> and then he would go, okay, but then he would say, how are you going to do that? And so here's what I would do, okay, and I would go, here you are, there you go. And that would be our covenant. And that makes perfect sense to you, doesn't it? We're just going to take the other shoe off. That's going to be weird. (laughs) It's right. As you read things and you go, what? The shoe like this does not make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. It made sense to them. They made some kind of an agreement that had cultural implications that made sense. Okay, so first of all, there's that. But second of all, there's ways for us to understand this that it makes sense to us too. So I want to read to you from Stuart Douglas. I think he helps point this out the best. He says this, the portion, actually, before we even say that, this word thrown on, uh, the Hebrew word, most of your translations other than the ESV use a word called sprinkled. And that's probably more a picture of what happened. It's not as though they walked underneath a basin and got blood poured on them, but rather that the blood was thrown and kind of sprinkled on. And so, so Douglas says this, the portion sprinkled on the altar was God's, signifying that he was the other party of the covenant. This rep- was represented in the cer- ceremony of sacrifice by his altar. Then he says this, Since without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins, that's Hebrew 9.22, Hebrews 9.22, he says, Making a visible display of the blood from an animal killed for sacrificial purposes highlights for all to see the concept of atoning death. So scholars talk about it this way, that as that blood was sprinkled onto you, now again, they didn't have washing machines and tied to go and all these types of things, is there's a sense that as that blood hit their clothing, that that blood stained that clothing, and as long as that clothing was owned, it was stained with that blood. That your skin would have blood that would hit you, and that it would not wash off immediately because you weren't running to wash it off because there was this sense of this this symbol that is on me, that blood had to be spilled for the forgiveness of sins, and I bear that on me in a sense, is that Christ's blood covers me and atones for me. So when you think back to the old covenant and and the sacrificial system, is that the the blood of a lamb had to be slain for you, as they were literally saying, this blood is going to be, on you as a representative for you. And now, we have the same in the new covenant, don't we? The blood of Christ has forgiven all sins and cleanses us, but it marks us. So Paul will say it this way later, you are not your own, you were bought at a price. So honor God with your body. These marks on the people as odd as it might seem to us, mark them as people of God. The same way that the Holy Spirit indwells you and I who are part of the church. As a promise, as a guarantee for our salvation and to give us an opportunity to live in a way that you and I cannot live on our own. But the Holy Spirit equips us for that. We are marked by the blood of Jesus. Then in verses 9 to 11, you have kind of this strange picture as well. And this is, happens a few times in the Old Testament. Ezekiel talks about this, and Amos talks about this. And, and it says they they went up and they saw the God of Israel. And, and not enough information is given for you to kind of be satisfied with that. What, is, what did that look like? What did that mean? Well, later on, we're going to see that Moses says, God, can I can I see your face? And he goes, no, I'm 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 holy, I'm I'm completely set apart from you. If you see my face, your sinfulness will actually be the death of you. You you can't see me and live. And so he sees the glory of God and and his face is going to shine so brightly that people can't even look at it later on. And so what does this mean here? Well, again, if you look at Ezekiel... Ezekiel, And if you look at Amos, what you see is that the people recognized that there was, they were in the very presence of God. God was there with them. And the symbolism here is incredibly meaningful again. This is the God of heaven who we have rebelled against. And he comes to us and he says, I want to make a covenant with you. I want to bring you back into my family. I'm, I'm not okay that you have walked away and I'm going to deal with sin once and for all and I'm going to do this in my ways on my terms because your terms won't work. They can't work. In fact, when you chose your own terms, it brought death into the world. And so God, his presence is there and the people are with him and this image kind of is is given that they, they see God's feet but he's on some kind of like a holy platform And the reason for this kind of imagery is is simply this, is God's presence cannot be contained on the mountain. And yet he's come down to be with them at the same time. There's this reality that God is completely beyond anything we can imagine and understand, at least in full. And yet he has reached down to us to offer forgiveness. In this case, to offer a meal together, to offer this this covenant confirmation. Let me say it this way. Is the God of all things who is perfect, who needs nothing from us, has reached down to say, will you come into my family? Because we can't reach up, he reaches down to us. And then what we see is there's this, this meal that takes place. They beheld God and they ate and they drank. Now again, that might not be so meaningful to us, but even in the New Testament, this was very significant. You didn't have a meal with people unless you had the same core values and beliefs. A meal was a sign of a partnership relationship together. And in fact, this is why Jesus took so much heat in Matthew 9 when it says that Jesus ate with who? Tax collectors and sinners, in quotes. Because we're all sinners. But the Pharisees went, how dare you? You're entering into a relationship with those dirty, wicked, awful people. And that's where Jesus says a very famous line, I didn't come for who? didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I came to bring salvation to the world. And if you don't see that you need saving, then you're never going to see your need of me. Jesus spent a lot of time with tax collectors and sinners. In fact, he spent most of his time there. Because those people recognized that what God was offering through Jesus was forgiveness, was relationship, was reconciliation. And so maybe in our world, we don't have the same sense, but I want you to maybe think of it in that way as when you're inviting someone into your home, that you are entering into a relationship with them, that you are to care for them, you are to love them, you are to show God's goodness to them. It's not just about a meal. It's not just about some fun. It's about something more than that. Then Moses is called up on the mountain again, except this time he's... Told to go up and wait. Or again, the Hebrew maybe is better translated as stay there. Every other time, Moses went up kind of with purpose and it was kind of this up, down, up, down thing. Here is go up and wait. And God says, I'm actually going to give you the Ten Commandments written by God's own hand in stone, cut out by God's hand. These Ten Commandments, again, we'll talk about this in the coming weeks, not these actual ones because they're going to get broken but God's going to repeat this process, is these Ten Commandments, these tablets, are going to sit in the Ark of the Covenant, which will have huge symbolic meaning for the rest of the Old Testament. Now again, the irony in all of this is that while Moses is doing all of this, the people down below are growing restless. And they're going, where are you? Let's do this our own way. We're tired of waiting for God. Is that... Sound familiar back in in the beginning of Exodus when they were in slavery? And God said, I'm going to come and I'm going to rescue you. And they went, well, when? Well, first I'm going to do this. Why? Why don't you just rescue us now? And God says, well, I have plans and I have purpose here. Trust me. God does things in his time, not because he's just simply making us wait because he's unfair, unjust. He's showing us that his plan is far bigger than just the one little aspect that we see. And there's so much more for that. Notice the imagery here. In verse 16, it says that the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai for how many days? It says six days. It's close, though. And then on the seventh day, he called Moses into the cloud with himself. You can't th- Think of anything else where it's six and then seven. Day of rest when God created the world. The manna, right? There's a pattern happening here. Is God saying, come into my presence and then I'm going to work with and for you and I'm going to do these things, but there's going to be a day then when you you get to come in and you get to rest with me. If you think that symbolism is, is not as clear, then the very next couple of verses it says this, Moses stays on the cloud of the mountain, how many days? 40 days and, what does that remind you of? It goes back to the flood, doesn't it? Forty days and forty nights. Oh, and it goes back to Jesus. Well, it goes forward to Jesus in the wilderness, forty days. When we see these, we're supposed to recognize that God is trying to tell us something and show us something. Is Moses? You're going to go up for forty days and forty nights because when you go down with the Ten Commandments, literally, you're going down with the law of God because God is want, God is in the process of redeeming all of His people. And yet, all of His people are down there doing what? See, when we read the narrative that God is angry and vindictive in the Old Testament, full of wrath, I think we're missing out on just how much mercy and grace he offers us. The people have not been on the journey very long yet and they've already how many times said, man, we wish we were back in Egypt where we were in slavery. It was so much better there. Moses, why don't you just let us die here? We'd rather die here than be with you. And then... All that the Lord says we will do, we will be obedient. See, here's the heart of people, and here's the heart of you and I, is when we're seeing clearly God's goodness and his mercy, we respond that way. God, I will follow you to the end. Maybe think of someone in the New Testament who says, God, I'm going to follow you to the end, no matter what it costs. And Jesus says what to Peter? (laughs) You're not going to follow me to the end. In fact, you're going to deny that you even know me. It's very easy to look back and be very critical of the Israelite people or Peter in that story. But what if your life was up there on the screen and you got to see the moments of, yes, God, I will follow you no matter what. And then in moments of crisis and pain and hurt where we turn away, where we choose our own way. Again, this goes back to this is why we come to church because we confirm the covenant together, we remind ourselves that, you know what? How many of you just had no problems this week? Oh, right, (laughs) it's life. It's messy, it's painful. We have relationships that are broken. We have grief, we have pain, we have physical ailments, we have mental challenges. And we come back together week after week to come together to go, we submit to this one true God and we remind ourselves that he is good even amidst my circumstances. We come together so that we can build one another up and we can remind each other of God's love and his grace. We come back together because if we don't do it regularly, we start to forget. The same way that they did in 40 days. You know, I read a study recently that said that the... uh, The average church attender, so someone who says that they attend church regularly, now attends church 1.8 Sundays a month. Could you imagine going to your uh, math teacher and being like, I'm like 45% of the time I'll be here? Is that a pass? Again, the point is not, man, you need to attend church or you're going to hell. If you hear that, that's the wrong message. But if you hear, I don't really need to go to church to go to heaven. And you've kind of missed the the point too. Is we need one another and we need the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And frankly, I need to be reminded by the people of God how good God is. I need to be reminded of his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy even when I'm hurting. The God who has created all things in this text went down to meet with the people And to enter into covenant with them. In the New Testament we read that literally Jesus came down. And made himself flesh. In our time now as the Holy Spirit as I said indwells each one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. He's given us mission and purpose. And it's the same mission and purpose that the people were given back then. We gather together so that others might see that there is a God who loves us. And yes, there's a God who's called us to repent of our sin because he knows better than we do. And so we call other people to, yes, repent, but do it not out of duty or obligation, but do it in the sense of recognizing that God's ways are going to be way better than our ways. You and I are ambassadors for Christ. As we wrap up here, as we move towards communion, I hope you can see the harmony between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Is, is When Moses literally sprinkles the people with the blood of the, the sacrifice, is we're literally in a moment going to hold a cup in our hand that represents Jesus' blood that was spilled for us on the cross. And we're going to drink that in a reminder that only by Jesus' blood do we have forgiveness. Jesus came to us because we didn't even know that we needed to go to him. The new covenant and the old covenant, what's the difference? (laughs) There's a few years in there. The difference is in the old covenant, they were pointing towards something. It was all imperfect representations of the one who was to come. But it's no less meaningful and has no less symbolism. The New Covenant now, we get to look back and we get to say, we get to see what was done, or as Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. We don't look ahead with uncertainty going, "God, when are you going to?" We get to look back going, "Thank you that you did." And so my prayer and my hope for us as a church is that we gather together regularly because we know we need to be reminded of this, because we need to confirm the covenant that God has made with us, not out of some sense of duty or obligation, or if I do this, then I become saved, but as a reminder of just how desperately I need Jesus in my life. So I'm going to invite the guys, the the two guys that are going to help with communion up, and I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians And we're going to read what Paul writes to us in chapter 11. Thank you for that. This is verse 23. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. You notice the sense of a meal here? Same as Exodus. When he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus is literally saying, the blood from the sacrificial systems was pointing to this moment, and my blood will be once for all. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus knew that the disciples that you and I would need to gather together and remind us of this because he wasn't just going to come back in a week or a month or a year. Here we are 2,000 years later, still awaiting for Christ's return, but it's no less guaranteed than it was the day that Jesus said he was coming back. But we're going to eat and we're going to drink together in remembrance of him and as a reminder that he is coming again. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the beauty of the harmony between the Old Testament and the New. Thank you for all the symbolism that exists there that if we're willing to study, that that starts to become more and more plainly obvious to us. just as in the text that we read today as the people were sprinkled with the blood of the sacrifice, as as we eat and as we drink, we are reminded that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was the only sacrifice that could pay the penalty for sin. God, thank you that in your wisdom, you made a way that Jesus came to us that we might have salvation. So in these moments, as we pass out the bread and as we hold that in our hand, would we remember that this is always where this was pointing, that we have a mediator, that we have one whose body was broken for us, that we might have hope. This represents Christ's body broken for us. Let's eat in remembrance of him. God, as we pass out the cup now, thank you that we are marked by the blood of Jesus. That we have found forgiveness, not based on our merits, but on what Jesus did for us. even as he sat with the disciples in that last moment in the upper room, confirming the new covenant with the meal the same way the old covenant was confirmed. We gather together as well. And we share this as the hands and feet of Jesus. God, thank you that Jesus' blood was a sacrifice once for all. May we consider that in these quiet moments. This represents Jesus' blood spilled for us, strength in remembrance of him. God, as we look forward to a, a short meeting together to talk about all you have called us to do, and then as we gather together around the tables to eat together, we pray that we do so in a way that honors and brings glory to your name. Help us to see the purpose with which you have called us to, to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ to the world in which you have called us to live. Thank you for all that you've done. Go with us today. Amen. So we'll just ask that if you need to grab a coffee or if, you have, if you're have—if you visiting and you have no desire to be part of a business meeting, I don't understand why that would be, but... Um,